founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Wilfred Gomez, the co-founder and head of operations of SQL. In the last 15 years, Wilfred has, has held various senior consulting positions with enterprise software firms and was a director of implementation at Ceridium HCM, responsible for the delivery of its day four solution to a wide range of clients, from small businesses to Fortune 500 customers. Today, as head of operations, Wilfred is responsible for SQL's strategic and tactical direction of its professional services practice. SQL enables companies to supercharge their human capital management through implementation consulting and critical information reporting. Wilfred, we are so excited to have you on the podcast, my friend. Uh, thanks for having me, Drew. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Well, let's kick off like we always do. What were the series of events that led you to doing what you're doing today? So really, entrepreneurship in my mind was never really in the cards when I first started in my professional career or my professional journey. Um, but as I progressed up the proverbial corporate ladder, um, yeah, my exposure to, to leadership and decisions that are, that occur at that level became much more visible and apparent. Um, and, you know, once I, especially when I got to the director level, I had, I had that visibility and I started asking questions too. Yeah. Why are we doing it a certain way? Why are we taking this particular direction as opposed to another? Um, and really at that point is, is where, you know, it kind of came to mind where, you know, why not? Why aren't we doing it this way when it would likely produce better outcomes? Mm. Um, but obviously at a, a mid level, say management position, um, I'm not part of it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, at the table where those decisions yeah, are being driving made, those right? decisions. Exactly. So, but really when I did have my conversations, um, with the leadership at that time, well, a lot of the ideas that I was able to put on the table were actually valid. And, you know, they said, you know what, that will actually work. However, we just can't do it. Mm. So what came to mind was, why not? What's preventing us from moving in a direction when it's been acknowledged that it'll produce greater outcomes? And it, that was really, those type of, those, the nature of those conversations really represented the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Where, huh. you know, why not? You know what? I want to answer that question myself. So that's really what propelled me to um, meet up with, uh, another, my, my partner to take that leap into let's, let's start a company. Let's, let's find out the answer to that question. Why mm. not? And here we are today. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I always, I'm always intrigued at the different, um, impetuses that I think I said that word, right. <laughs> impetuses <laughs> for people starting their company, right? Sometimes they already have the idea or they're passionate about a subject. For some people it's solving an interesting problem. Mm -hmm. For you, it sounded like you, you found a problem that didn't make sense and you went about solving it. So was there a period of time that was kind of like R&D on the idea and researching what the problem is and how we'd go about solving it? Or did you jump straight into, I got an idea, here's the company, we'll roll with it and learn as we go? You know, like I've, 
Well, the vast majority, you know, or vast number of years of my career, I've been working within the, uh, the human capital management space, other than, you know, a two or three years playing in insurance enterprise software. But for the most part, I've always been in implementation and consulting. So meeting with a number of clients, working with their technology solutions, implementing it, supporting it, and what have you. So, you know, because of that range of exposure that I was able to accumulate, um, I was able to kind of build up that experience yeah. around all the different problems that clients have been running into within this area of human capital. So really this, this step into you know, founding SQL was for, for the most part, a natural one. Like I've already seen all the problems. So it wasn't really you know, a, a huge leap yeah. um, to think about the problems because I was already aware of them. Um, so yeah, that's really how it came to be. Well, just for reference sake, can you illuminate what we mean when you say human capital management? So human capital management is really, you know, say the fancy term for, um, the employee lifestyle life cycle journey from recruiting all the way down to retirement and all the things that happen in between. So the managing of those transactions that occur as, as an employee of a, of an organization. Okay. And this in particular, you're dealing with the technology pieces that may be used in, in that life cycle. That's right. Gotcha. Okay. So for when you, when you went to start this company, was there a primary problem that you were trying to solve? Yes. So generally speaking, customers purchase these package softwares or software, uh, software solutions to manage the transactions, manage the data and the interactions of employee to employer. So it, it falls within the realm of like HR transactions, such as um, promotions, um, position management, compensation management, okay. uh, payroll, uh, time management. So like I said, everything that kind of has to do with um, the various functions that employees utilize. But what we found was um, many of the tools that our customers use weren't being used to its full potential. They don't know what they don't know. So that's where our expertise comes in play because we understand the software. And we also bridge the gap between our understanding of the software and us understanding their industry or what what their desired outcome should be. Gotcha. So you you're not having to create the software you are saying hey we're very familiar with this software solution you're using we can come in there and make the make sure that you understand how to use it and get the most out of it that's right love it i like a clear simple business plan look at that mm-hmm. <laughs> so where where did you start did you did you what was it like getting your first customers and who who'd you rally around the cause so um like i mentioned earlier um because I was already in the consulting space uh, in this industry, I had met a lot of people along the way. So once they caught word of me kind of venturing out, um, it was pretty easy to find those first customers. Nice. There were already established relationships where, well, we know what you could do. You've helped us in the past. Even though you kind of represent a different entity now, we want to continue working with you. Mm. because you're a known commodity to us. So really on day one, we were able to 
really have our first set of clients. Wow. Um, unfortunately, these clients that we worked with at the beginning were very strong advocates for us. So, you know, obviously, as like when you're starting a business, you're doing everything. You're wearing multiple hats. You're doing marketing. You're doing accounting. You're doing payroll. You're doing everything and anything under the sun. Um, but because these first several clients were such strong advocates for us, they pretty much represented the marketing and sales arm for the company as well. Wow. Because they're very vocal within their communities to really wear the badge on their on their chest saying, yeah, we work with these guys and they do a great job. Wow. Did you have to ask for that or did they do it kind of naturally? What, what was that part like? Well, the personalities that we work with were just naturally like that, just mm. natural salespeople. So, you know, when I take a look in the mirror, um, I know I'm not going to be that person at a conference at, as the center of attention. Like I usually sit back and observe and okay. really listen and kind of immerse myself in um, the bigger picture of what's happening. And then to take the necessary steps once I have that information. Yeah. Um, but these folks, well, so I could say that I'm a lot more on the introverted scale. Sure. Uh, whereas, you know, some of our clients are much more extroverted. Yeah. Natural evangelist, right? Exactly. So, you know, we really partnered up as far as, uh, well, it was a natural partnership where, you know, because of their natural state of being, you know, they like to speak, they like to be out there. Um, they would really just be, like I said, our strong advocates, uh, defining the, the initial, well, the secondary set of clients that, that came into the family. Wow. How long did it take from working with your first clients to having your your almost your first true customer? It's not that they weren't, but someone that didn't come directly from a relationship you already had, right? They came from yeah. the word of a client that you worked with. How long was that period of time? Uh, I would say about two months. Whoa. It was pretty quick. So That's amazing. Yeah, our first set of clients were, you know, I'm, I'll always be thankful for what they were able to help us build and, you know, contribute to. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, was it just you uh, or was there a small team already assembled from the beginning? Uh, it was, it was me and my other co-founder, uh, Khaled Kasmia. Um, he kind of represents the technical or solution side of, of the company. So you know, I'll be the business. He'll be the tech. We meet together. And we have a comprehensive team. <laughs> there we go. Um, but, you know, we were able to you know, add additional people over the next, well, we started in September um, 2015. Um, but by January 2016, we had added three additional people. Okay. Um, so just people that we've worked with in the past that, you know, we, we've already had established trust. And they really had the hunger to take the leap into say the unknown yeah um, so yeah isn't it crazy those first few hires you've got to get you've got to get people with more of a little pioneering bend a high risk tolerance right yeah, exactly otherwise they they're going to be floundering wanting more direction wanting more clarity security and you're like hey man we don't have that yet we're, yep. <laughs> we're figuring it all out together right yeah exactly so you have to be comfortable with uh, you know the unknown yeah but but be confident enough that to know that you've built up the necessary skills to get through it. 
Yeah. So were they occupying uh, at that time? Were you were you hiring the kinds of people that would be doing more client work, like a consultant, or were they doing more internal work on the for the business? Client work, all revenue generating positions. There we go. <laughs> I like it. So, yeah. So really, you know, we would well for the most part. I'd be doing a lot of the administrative type work, right? Um, you know, all the internal things, um, while at the same time building building myself out as well like i still do i was doing projects or contributing to projects and engagements wow um, but for the most part everyone else uh, that had joined initially were all um, consulting did they have to go out and hunt and find their own leads or had you guys already produced kind of like a lead flow that they were just showing up to uh we were, we'd already produced the, the lead flow so they're just um so i would feed them the deals and they'd run with it wow what was the key for you getting the pipeline up to that, you know, consistency or, you know, or, or volume that you could bring on more people? Um, those initial clients really fed the pipeline and okay. they still continue to do so because they're very vocal within their communities. Um, I could tell you, you know, straight up that really for the past five years, a lot of um, like, I'm not a hunter. I'm not a natural sales hunter. Yeah. Um, so a lot of our new clients have actually come through referral. Like I would say right now we're a referral based business. Um, yeah. And really like over the, the, the past few years, like our network has expanded to you know, other sales, um, sales folks in these, these partners that we work with that have heard of us that where we have common clients or we, we know common people. And when they hear about the type of help that we've been able to provide our clients um, and they align it with one of their prospects or clients that need the same help, they reach out to us. Say, gotcha. look, we have somebody. Hopefully we could connect you to because they really need the type of help that you could provide. Mm. Man, so, that's cool. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a really great ride so far, um, but I know that you know we're almost we're basically at the cusp where you know, I think I have to shift a lot more of my focus into marketing. Like we've accumulated so many wins over the past five years, but I haven't really said, "Hey, look at us." Yeah, because we never really had to in the past, but you know I think we're really at that point where we should. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Or I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I'm glad you saw it, but that was. That's something we've seen as well in our business early on referrals and still is, is going to be a huge thing. And it's something we should take pride in. And uh, if you're not experiencing it, you got to wonder what's going on. Like, am I not doing good work? You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but we kind of took pride in it for a little while. And they're like, we don't need to do marketing. Like for just yeah. referral mm -hmm. The issue, at least we found, I don't know if it's the same for you, but the issue we found is you can't really predict business off of that. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. it, it's like, all right, I know it's coming in. Even if it's coming in predictably, you still can't forecast very well. And then you can't scale as, as far as you might want to because there's nothing that you're able to push. You're not able to like have something that you know this consistently brings us the right kind of client and we have a process for getting them and spreading the word and that kind of thing. So we spent actually the pandemic, part of that was us trying to figure that out for our company. Saying, mm -hmm. hey, if work's going to be slow for a bit and we're all forced to be home, this sounds like one of the problems that we want to address. <laughs> yeah, <know>? exactly. <laughs> so that, that was, that's been a cool learning, but it, it, similar to you, I'm introverted, even though I do a lot of extroverted things, 
um, it was very uncomfortable. Yep. It's uncomfortable thinking about going from things just coming to you to, to you in a sense, feeling imposing or mm-hmm. feeling like you're kind of moving towards other people. Uh, do you feel that as well? Some hesitancy doing that? Oh, definitely. So yeah. it, like I said, um, you know, naturally, I just want to you know, stand back. I, I love problem solving. So you know, I remember uh, an old client of mine, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I'd be in these boardrooms with these in these big meetings. I'd be like the lead consultant at the table. And for the most part, everybody would be jabbering, talking here, there, the, or, or whatever. And I'd be sitting there. And then, you know, once there's a pause, then I'd speak. Sure. And this, the, I, I think she's, um, you know, the chief of stores now. She mentioned that, you know, I love Wolfred because, you know, when, when he does speak, it, it's meaningful. Yeah. Like he doesn't jabber about this side or the other. So when he speaks, we listen. So I trust this guy. Yeah. So like in my mind, that's always been my natural state. Like, let me read the room and figure out the next step. Yeah. Yeah. You're an internal processor, right? Mm-hmm. Like my wife is an external processor. I'm yeah. an internal processor. That led to a first, an interesting first few years of marriage, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because I wasn't used to being in that intimate of a relationship with somebody who processed much differently than me. Everything is external. As she thinks it, she says it so that she can figure it out. I am internal. I want to think. I want to see it from all sides. I want to gather what you're saying. And then similar to you, when I say it, I mean it, right? And so it it was just so funny because she would take me on a roller coaster. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like in my mind, she's saying what she means, but she's not. Mm-hmm. She's just thinking out loud. And, we're, and I'm like, whoa, we were here. Now we're here. And then she felt like I wasn't engaged because mm-hmm. I may not be contributing to the conversation. I'm just sitting back and listening. Yep. Um, but that was the first time I started realizing, like, oh, there's different ways of processing information, mm-hmm. some external, some internal. Mm-hmm. And there's a real gift to the internal processing. Yet I also had to push myself in moments to say like, this demands me to be a little more externally processing right now. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? Yep. And like, you know, when I think about being, you know, being introverted, that doesn't necessarily um, prevent you from putting yourself out there. No. In my mind, it's really, it really just means you have to put in the energy to, to do so. It's right. So, yeah, so much to this podcast. Normally, That's what I was going to say. Li- I'd be listening to podcasts. Yeah. But, you know, this is an opportunity to, you know, have a great conversation, talk about our story, learn about your story. Yeah. It's really just the meeting of the minds, right? That's right. That's right. So, now, I was just going to bring that up. Like, this is a great example of a venue where you're forced to stretch yourself a little bit and that you, in real time, you've got to just go ahead and give me what you think. You don't mm-hmm. have too much time to think about it, but it's totally normal and you can totally do it, but it's going to drain you a little more. Mm-hmm. than somebody who is energized by that. Right? Yes, exactly. Super fascinating. So is your co-founder similar to you in those aspects or different than you in, in some key ways? Um, I would say there, there are some similarities. I think, you know, really the biggest distinction between myself and my co-founder is really our focus. So I'm looking at the business and the strategy of the company. Um, and just how all the moving parts work. Mm. Whereas he's thinking about it from a technical angle. What are the different tools we need to learn or um, we need to learn or apply into how we do things internally 
or how we could potentially introduce externally um, to, to solve the problem. Gotcha. So both, both of us are natural problem solvers, but we're looking at it two different angles. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it sounds like you found a good uh, complementary relationship in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually met him maybe about 12 years ago, um, 12 or 13 years ago, I think. It's been that long. Yeah. Um, but he was really like, I had just come back from a gig out in Australia. Um, and I think you know, 2008. And I started working for a software company up in Canada. Um, and I met this Khaled and he was like a new grad at the time. And there was some project that we were working on together. And, you know, he was talking, we were working through the problem and he was just looking at the problem in such a different way than, that I did. Yeah. I'm like, geez, you're only 21. How do, how do you see that? And I was thinking to myself, man, like it's this guy, based on this guy's trajectory and his know-how, I'm probably going to work for him one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we kind of stuck together because it was just, it was just interesting. Yeah. Um, and you meet so many people like that along the way and, you know, fortunate and, you know, luckily he and I were able to, you know, stick together and kind of take the journey side by side and like um, subsequent jobs or uh, career moves. So it was just uh, a natural type of decision to, you know, work with him to take the sleep into, you know, a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, you mentioned it being a journey, which is every bit the word that it, that it, it connotates mm -hmm. since 2015, that was the year you founded, right? So about five yeah. years ago, the business I'm sure has gone through seasons and stages of growth and all that kind of stuff. As you look back, what were some of the most challenging, you know, I had to really think or apply myself or I was stressed out. Like we had to make some decisions. What were some of the most challenging uh, moments in that journey so far? Well, I would say there were two that come to mind. So um, I would say back in 2012, um, we started thinking about scaling. What do we have to do to scale the business, right? And, you know, what we did wrong was we tried to apply a traditional corporate structure mm. into the company much too early before, before we were mature enough. So we started kind of breaking it up into teams. Um, and, you know, we just weren't equipped to, to handle that. Um, so we made different structural, like organizational structure moves way too early than we were ready for. Like we didn't have the processes in place or the support structure to do so. Um, so, yeah. What did that cause? Um, it caused quite a bit of confusion around okay, who's accountable for what, like, what should I be doing? What am yeah. I responsible for now? So, you know, we didn't really like, up to that point, I was the only one that really read into the metrics of the company and kind of the quantitative measures that would dictate whether we're doing well or not. Mm. But these folks that these folks at the time were not equipped with how to look at it in that way. Because for, for the vast majority of the time, they were just focused on delivery. Yeah. Whereas my concern was, are we delivering well beyond just client feedback? Like, what's the cost of doing business? 
Mm. So, so interesting. So it's so in a hopes to structure things, it sounds like you accidentally brought brought in maybe what was felt as complexity. That's right. That, that complexity wasn't maybe really ready, you know, to 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 solve it in simplicity. So it mm-hmm. led to confusion. There's a little bit of that. That's right. So did you guys just kind of muscle through that or did you back up and kind of restructure it? What did you do? I backed up and said, you know what? Th- we did this way too soon. Mm. Like we're not big enough to, to, to do anything like this. And I didn't really impart the knowledge that the team needed or enabled the, the team with the knowledge to look at their individual practices in that particular way. Gotcha. So had to step back and say, okay, look, we're not going to power through this. This was a misstep. Let's flatten the org again and you know, be a lot more um, incremental in terms of introducing some of these concepts to the team to eventually get to where we need to go. Sure. Man, kudos to you, man. How often do we make a mistake but not recognize it and, and- – correct it we usually just go well we're in it now yeah <laughs> and kind of power through it right yeah, yeah. and you know there, there's a time and place for that yeah um but if but ultimately you know as far as this journey is concerned you're going to take missteps like it's never a straight and narrow path of course it's twisty turvy up and down left and right you know two steps forward one step back yeah um but it's all about learning from them and you know, reminding yourself to step back to set, uh, to, to see the bigger picture. Yeah. Do you have any kind of ritual or practice in place that helps you intentionally step back from, you know, uh, in the four disciplines of execution? They call it like the whirlwind or the tornado, right? That like every day has so many needs and things presenting it that you can get kind of sucked in. Mm-hmm. But we need those at the leaders' moments to back up and go, hold on, hold on, are we going the right direction? Did we make a misstep here? Do you have any any rituals or, or, or practices that you do that helps you step back and get that kind of bird's eye view? Honestly, I have a 30-minute standing meeting uh, every day okay. for, my, for myself. Um, hop on the elliptical or the bike and just uh, you know, ground myself. Mm. Think about, okay, think about today's plan, this week's plan, or this quarter's plan or whatever time context um, and really assess, am I using this time? Is the time that I'm using making me move forward to the goal? If not, why am I doing it? Why are we doing it? So it's usually when, you know, I pop on the headphones, get on some exercise machine where I just really just think about that. Is that at the beginning of your day? Um, Typically at the beginning of the day. Sometimes okay. at night, it all depends on how busy I am or yeah. what's been coming up. So. Yeah. Do you have a consistent morning routine or is it just depend on the day for you? Um, as far as the morning routine is concerned, um, what I typically do right in the morning is just read different articles. Hmm. Um, sometimes I'll listen to an audio book, whether it be you know related to business or not. So um, just to kind of start the day fresh with you know new ideas, new thoughts. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's probably been the biggest uh, step forward. I've seen our team make this year is taking the time to experiment with the kind of morning you need, not what you should not mm-hmm. like this guy says you should start like this. It's like, no, what do you need? 
Mm-hmm. It puts you in the best head, heart, and energy space to attack the day, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so for you, it sounds like kind of getting some insight or inspiration for some books, maybe spending some time with quiet, you know, thinking, uh, something like that helps you be more proactive in the day versus reactive to everything coming up. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome, man. Uh, man, I'm super curious at what size was the team when you tried to introduce some of those more hierarchical structures that it didn't work? Just as I get a feel for where, like, were we talking about four people at the time? Were we talking about 20 people? Like, where, what, what size of the team? I'd say we were about 12 people. Okay. 12 people at the time. Gotcha. Where we started flipping, well, um, segmenting the teams. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Just for reference, people that have been listening to the podcast will hear numbers certain times, and I bet they're paying attention as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I'm building my business, all right, what does 12 represent? Or where are we at in this growth journey yet? Mm-hmm. Um, what was the second thing? You said two things came to mind that were challenging parts of the journey. What was the second thing? Oh, COVID. Okay. <laughs> yes. well, I, I'm sure that's not unique to anyone or any of your listeners, uh, especially, you know, you know, the smaller companies or even the large companies. It, it impacted everybody in different ways. Mm. Um, so really when COVID hit, um, you know, prior to COVID, it was looking like a banner year. Like, holy crap, look at this growth. Jeez, yeah. all, these, all these commitments, great. Um, but when COVID hit, everyone had to step back. Every company um, had to step back and think, okay, we don't know what's going on here. Um, so like within the HCM space, like new laws were coming out that impacted you know, compliance, employee compliance. Mm. And so a lot of the focus had to shift to, okay, how do we accommodate these new laws that are coming out? Like what, what type of technology updates are necessary for us to you know, get through this? That's the priority right now. Any type of new starts or new projects or any of these big initiatives that we had planned for 2020, that's on the back burner. Yeah. They're, they're much more pressing matter, matters. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, so this banner year turned into, okay, well, all these commin- commitments are either canceled or deferred. Right. To an unknown time period. That's right. We're just, <laughs> we're just frozen. That's all yeah, we know. Exactly. Yeah. So in stepping back and taking a look okay, at, you know, what, how that, changed the forecast i had to make some some decisions as far as okay so how much could we weather the storm how long is this storm gonna last yeah um because we had just hired um like i think three or four people in january wow um so you know ultimately you know like i said had to step back and see it and really have to play it by ear by ear and watch the numbers carefully yeah um, and unfortunately, you know, by the time the summer hit, it's like, look, these commitments, we don't know what's happening. They're like, states are shutting down. Everyone's working from home now. Yeah. Um, everyone's focused on, you know, keeping, keeping the, the boat afloat instead of trying to take the boat out. Yeah. Um, well, so, I remember hearing at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the pandemic, people were like, you know, by June, I bet we'll yeah. be good. <laughs> Yep. And, then, and then it was like, well, maybe August, you know, yeah. August <laughs> kept getting pushed back and pushed back. Yeah. And heck, it's been a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Did you um, guys end up having to 
like reduce your workforce? Like what, what, what were some of the things you ended up having to do to, to survive? Uh, so we ultimately had to reduce our workforce um, uh, against, you know, the folks that we had, we had brought on based yeah. on the anticipated business. Um, but one of the commitments that I make to anyone that walks through the door here is look, you know, you're going to come and come, come work here. You're going to take a chance, work at this, this organization. As long as you fulfill your obligation to, to the team and to yourself within, within the context of these, you know, four walls, I will continue to be your advocate, whether you're in this house or outside this house. Yeah. Um, you know, my job in my mind is to feed the, the natural motivation that you have. You, mm. you have motivations to learn, motivations to grow. Well, I'm going to chase the projects and find the opportunities to feed that. Um, ultimately, there may be, there, you may come to a point where um, your growth trajectory is no longer aligned with what I'm able to offer personally or within, within the organization. As long as you fulfill your your side of the bargain while you're part of the family, I'll continue to to be your cheer, cheerleader out there. Yeah, I will help you find that next place, or if that next place needs someone to speak to, you give them my number. It's beautiful, man. I love that phrase. I'm going to feed the natural motivations you already have. Mm-hmm. How do you go about discovering their natural motivations? You know, it's, it's funny. Um, there's a senior consultant we have on staff. Um, and I remember taking part of, like, on occasion, I'll still take part of uh, part in the interview process. And um, you know, he, he ultimately got hired. He's still with us today. I think he's been here for about three years. Okay. Um, but when we got talking about the interview process, he, he, he basically indicated that I prepared so much for this interview thinking it was going to be technical and you're going to ask me software questions or problem solving questions. And the, na- the nature of the questions you asked had nothing to do with that. So yeah, all yeah. this time and preparation and you still stumped me. <laughs> yeah. um, like you made it challenging. Um, and you know, what I told them was like, look, I want to get to know you. I, I need to know what gets you up in the morning. Why do you want to do what you want to do? Yeah. Why do you want to come here? Why do you want to go? Why wouldn't you go elsewhere? Um, what motivated you to take this leap to seek a different opportunity? If you could get anything out of it, what are you trying to get? Mm. So, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, how we do things are going to be very different. Um, and that's going to be, Really, the factors that contribute to that is like our upbringing, our family, our life experiences, um, and so on. But what I'm really seeking when I speak to candidates is why do you, why do you do things? Yeah. Like what what's the underlying um, reason to why you do what you do? And to me, that's what culture is. Like how we do things will be different, but why we do things is really the common thread among you know, the folks here where I live in the family. That's awesome. So for you, what, help us understand some of your motivations. What gets you up in the morning? Um, love to solve problems. 
Like, cool. you know, whether it be in the professional landscape or you know, in personal life, there's always a problem to be solved or yeah. a less lesson to be learned. So, you know, just recently, you know, I started cooking, like, and I'm like, okay. So, you know, my wife used to, you know, tell me about, oh, you never really cook dinner. I'm like, because I don't know how. <laughs> uh, but I could do breakfast, do breakfast like a champ. Um, but more recently, I just taken an interest in, you know what? I've never done it before. Let me see what I could do with this. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I love, I love to learn. Like, like I want to be able to say, yeah, I've done it. Mm. Yeah. And I could appreciate, you know, learning a new task and being able to do it well. I don't have to be the specialist. I don't have to be the expert, but uh, to, to understand how things work is mm. really what drives me. Yeah. So not knowledge for knowledge's sake, but for application's sake. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. Man, I, I'm reading um, I'm reading a book about uh, gamification right now. Have you have you dipped your toes into that at all? Uh, yeah, just in some you know, negotiation courses that I've taken in the past. They've oh, interesting. To it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's this one I'm reading right now. I think it's called Actionable Gamification by this guy. Is brilliant. But what I just thought was interesting is he he's kind of codified like eight different motivations that people mm-hmm. would have. The research came from video games. Like why are people so addicted to these? Like some games are like this and they're very complicated. Some are like this and they're very simple. Some are communal, some are individual pursuits. And he kind of came through these eight different motivations. And I just thought that was fascinating. And one of them was kind of problem solving, personal growth that you really, you like seeing yourself develop and achieve things and learn things. Um, so I, I got nothing more than that. I just didn't know if you'd, <laughs> if you'd heard, <laughs> heard about that at all. It's, a, it's an intriguing concept to me and my business partner right now. Oh, oh, definitely. Like, I really enjoy, you know, the notion of accumulating knowledge. Because yeah. we, all, we all have blind spots, right? You're, we're always going to be limited by the knowledge that we have internally and, you know, the knowledge of our team. So call it institutional knowledge. Yeah. So really, when we first started, you know, I took a look at the team and, my thinking, you know, we're just a bunch of all-stars. We could stay this the same way really for the rest of our careers and be be that SWAT team jumping from project to project to project. Um, but really what like and we, we would have lived a, a good life. Like, you know, why yeah. not? Yeah. Um, but you know, when I take a look at you know the why of you know, especially the, the original five, like we wanted to grow, we wanted to learn, we wanted to do more. So, you know, being that SWAT team was never going to be, you know, the goal. We, right. wanted, we always wanted more. It's that beginner's mind, right? Where yep. you get paid to be an expert, but if you if you adopt the mindset of an expert, you you plateau and you kind of mm-hmm. you get bored mm-hmm. and you atrophy some muscles that you needed to keep sharp, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of Eastern mindset of the beginner's mind just keeps you hungry and growing and everything's still an adventure and fun. And uh, yep. I'm the same way. It's why I'm doing this podcast. I'm like, man, I just want to learn from people. I want to, I want to have different conversations and know what you did. And um, it just, it stimulates me. Yep. Likewise. Likewise. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I'm curious for you guys. No, let's, let's just start with you personally. What, what have you learned about leading your people, right? We've, we've kind of talked around a few different aspects of that, but in terms of you start off client facing, 
that's obviously going to be the first hat you wear. How do we go out and provide the service and get raving fans? But then as you start to grow a team, you are now also leading the people that have come to work for you to go service the, the people, the, the client, right? Mm-hmm. What, what have you learned um, that's been kind of huge, huge for you and, and better wearing that responsibility of leading your team? Uh, one of the big things that I learned was really, you know, you know, working with, with these folks on an individual basis to understand their goals and um, whether it be short-term, long-term or what have you, and being able to convey to them what the organizational goal is, right? So, um, and essentially connecting the dots. So this is what you're trying to, to achieve here. This is what we're trying to achieve. Here are the different avenues that we need to consider to take to get there, where we could kind of create that win-win situation or win-win scenario. Yeah. And, you know, everyone is different. Everyone will have their own specific goals, right, of where they want to take their career, their profession. So it's really just, you know, taking the time to learn that and to work with, you know, you know, my team such that we work in much better alignment. So um, good. So it's not just the corporate goal that everyone is trying to achieve. Yeah. It's really the marrying of the two concepts. Love that, man. Yeah, you get deep loyalty when someone realizes that winning here also wins for me here. That yeah. it's not at the expense of me, but these people care about me and they care about the mission, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't really lead people effectively if you don't know them. Yep. So you taking that extra time to make time to get to know you, what are your goals, what's your motivation, uh, I just imagine is going to better equip you to lead them so much more effectively, again, not just to produce, but also to be engaged and happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, you know, what, what I tend to tell the team is, you know, Khaled and I started it. We represented that, that initial foundation. We added three more, and now they're the foundation. So as we grow, these folks that are coming in into the four walls, you know, we're building you up to be the foundation. Like yeah. everyone here is, everyone here is empowered to pick up that pencil and contribute to the story. Yeah, that's cool, man. It's empowering too that it's not mm-hmm. just it's already the story's already been written and you're just a character in it. But no, yeah. like what you're doing and contributing is is actually part of shaping where we're going. Exactly, man. Super cool. All right, buddy. I'm gonna dive into the lightning round questions for us. All right, here we go. I've got five questions for you, uh, starting with number one. Mm-hmm. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would that message be? Well, you know, I would say consider time to be your most valuable asset. Like time is the, the great equalizer. One hour to me is the same as one hour for you. Mm. So think about how you use that time. If it's not moving you forward, you have to question why are you, why are you doing it? Yeah, oh, I love that. Number two. What is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And what was the worst? Uh, I'd say the best advice would be uh, that was given to me was don't let others define your path to success. Like it's, it's your journey. It's your path. You know, yeah. you live and die with how you walk the walk. Um, the worst advice was focus on scaling quickly to take advantage of large opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that, especially especially when something like COVID hits, right? Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Number three, what causes you the most stress or worry leading your organization today? Uh, really, when it comes down to it, like I love our corporate culture, but you know, as we grow, um, you know, whether in headcount or you know, just general business growth, um, the dilution of that culture mm. is is what keeps me up at night. How yeah. do we maintain this this mindset as we as we grow the team? Got it. Love it. Number four. What is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal? <laughs> I think ultimately, you know, as a services company, we, you know, we deal with many clients. We're dealing with very unique projects. But ultimately, you know, as we accumulate this knowledge of, of the market, I would love to transition to, you know, being a SaaS provider, mm. like solving a common problem across many companies. Yeah. So, yeah, so adventure. Not- Jumping into technology. Killer. So not just being the go-between between yep. a SaaS provider and, and a company, but producing your own. That's right. Heck yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, number five. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past and tell yourself one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by, when would you go back and what would you say to younger Wilfred? <laughs> That's a good one. Yep. You know, I, I have this conversation with uh, my wife all the time. So, really? This, yeah. this conversation? Yeah. Like, um, you know, if you could um, go back in time to, to change things, would yeah. you? Yeah. Um, and she'd always cite, you know, specific times where she could have avoided this or that or the other. Um, and my response to her was, you know, honestly, I would take that DeLorean or I'd go back in time and just observe. Mm. I, I wouldn't talk to myself at all because... Everything that happened, good, bad, and ugly, led me to this point. And I love what I do. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I change anything in the past, that would have changed the trajectory altogether. Yeah. So Beautiful. That's a, that's a common answer, but with a, different, uh, with a different nuance to it, which is true to your personality. You'd go back and observe. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> and sit there and remember, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez, what an idiot. <laughs> God, there are plenty of moments I would either kill to see if I'm feeling confident in the moment yep. or – would avoid at all costs and not go back and see me in a certain state. You're right. Definitely. (laughs) What are you doing? Yeah. No, but that, you know, the thing is, you know, it's not just observing myself in the past, but you know, when you're in the moment in the past, you don't know, you know, the domino effect of some of the things that you did or some of the things that you said, Mm. because they're kind of outside your purview. So what I'd be observing is everything outside of that moment. Yeah. The butterfly effect kind of thing. That's, that's right. Uh-huh. I like that. What a trippy movie, by the way. <laughs> yes. Man, that, 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 that'll scare you off of going uh, changing things in the past quick is watch, yeah. watch the butterfly effect. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Well, Wilford, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. It's awesome to hear what you guys have done, what you're building, and it's always fun uh, just to meet another courageous individual who had an idea and chose to go out on their own and, and see it done. And um, man, super inspired by your story, by your culture, and by the things that you guys are doing today at Sequel. So thank you for being here today. Thanks so much, Drew. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.